Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where you'll receive a boost of inspiration, practical advice, and tools to maximize your success and personal happiness. And that's not all. You'll also get plenty of guidance on how you can use your gifts, talents, and compassion to contribute towards making the world a better place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a preview of what's in store and to also receive a free ebook. To sign up, simply visit www.thedreamcatch.com. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Dreamcatcher podcast, Celine Chinoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. Our deepest common desire is to be met intimately, deeply, and with unconditional love. So why is it then that what we most yearn for is the most elusive and hard thing for us to find and sustain? According to my guests, Alyssa Romeo and Adam Foley, the problem is that we've lost touch with the part of us that is an unconditional and authentic, our soul. And the only way we can connect with another person on a soulful level is by understanding ourselves intimately and personally. Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley are the authors of Holy Love, the essential guide to soul-fulfilling relationships, and co-hosts of the Holy and Human podcast. Elisa is a licensed marriage and family therapist, an intuitive, and the author of Meet Your Soul. Adam is a certified somatic practitioner and yoga instructor who uses spiritual coaching, somatic healing, and his own intuitive abilities to connect people to their soul. Together, they help individuals awaken and deepen their soulful nature within relationships. During our conversation, Alyssa and Adam are going to give us insight into what soul-based connections, or as they call it, holy love, looks and feels like. They'll offer advice on how to connect with others on a soul level and identify people with whom we can share deep and meaningful connections. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to like, rate, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks. Hi, Alyssa and Adam. How are you both? Good. Doing good. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you. Um, I just finished reading Holy Love, your new book. And wow, I mean, it was so eye-opening. I have to say that there were a few topics that you covered in the book that I'm I'm familiar with, but reading your take on it uh, really grounded the knowledge and kind of made me feel the truth of it in my body. So so great job with that. Thank you. That's great to hear. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, So I'm excited to talk about some of the overarching themes that you write about. Uh, But I'd like to start by talking about how um, each of you started your journey as soul workers. You both speak about how you came to this work of soul, or as you say in the book, how your soul's work came to you. Uh, So tell us a little bit about that. How did how did it all unfold for for each of you? Yeah, well, I think in chronological events, Elisa <laughs> should probably go first for her soul meeting. I'm a little older, so I guess some of my stuff started to happen before yeah. yours in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I talk about it in my first book, Meet Your Soul. I talk a little about what happened to me. I talk a little more in detail in this book, but 
basically my background is training in Jungian psychology, like the work of Carl Jung. And I went to a grad school that specializes in that. And so I was off learning about talking about soul, psyche and psychology. I love where psychology and spirituality meet that kind of meeting place. And I had just listened to this incredible lecture by these two kind of well-known spiritual powerhouses of transpersonal psychology, Stan Groff and Richard Tarnas. And um, they were talking about really out there and beautiful concepts. And so I think the energy of that influenced the moment of what happened to me. But we then we went out for lunch on the grass with all the students and I started to go into a trance and I felt my head at the time I was meditating a lot, like 20 hours a week. So, um, yeah. And, uh, so I, I had been kind of, I guess you could say, um, experiencing consciousness in new ways generally in that time in my life. And so I was kind of sensing an altered state was happening, but it felt more like it was coming for me. It felt less like I'm now consciously sitting and going into this, but it was more like, this is happening to you. And, um, and a friend noticed kind of my head in these rhythmic movements and he was a skilled body worker and I trusted him. And he was like, you're going into a trance. Do you want me to come kind of hold space and help you guide with that? So we left all the friends and went into a room and, and I had an out of body experience where my consciousness left my physical body and I could look down and see my body laying there beneath me. And that was a really shocking thing for my ego to process because I grew up in a family that was super analytical. My dad was a biochemist. My mom's a mathematician. And I think I always had kind of the subconscious messaging. When you die, fade to black, you are your body, more of a materialist understanding of things. So I was like, well, I'm existing as consciousness and I'm not in my body. So what does that mean about who I am. And when I had that thought, I kind of catapulted into this love energy cloud, which was my soul. And it was this pink energy. And it was just like, this is who you truly are. This is who you are before you were Elisa Romeo. And then there was just downloads, as some people call them, of just any question I had was immediately answered in a knowing And it was such an interesting feeling because some people say like, well, how do you know what happened there? And it's really hard to explain because it just was like, it felt like something I knew more than anything I'd ever known before. Yeah. And, and, um, so then after that experience, when I came out of that, well, when I felt myself coming back into my body, I felt that I was kind of getting dumber and dumber as I was coming back into the egoic consciousness of the human form. And so it really put into me this feeling of like, I don't want to forget this place and I don't want to forget what I know here. And I don't want to forget the feeling of love that I truly am. So meet your soul and all our work is really helping people to connect to that part of themselves in in whatever ways, all the exercises or whatever is to get us to that experience. Um, and then when I came back into my body, not only was I opened up my sixth chakra in terms of kind of intuitive things, but I could see everybody else's soul and hear what the other souls were trying to communicate to me to help me say to the people, to their ego consciousness. That's such an I know that. That's a big, experience. I, know, I mean, at the time question. when it was happening before you were able to get all this languaging to explain what you were going through, were you freaked out? 
Yeah. I mean, I think I had a lot more than the average person of fear around this stuff because of my family programming. Right. I definitely, we talked recently to Gary Zukov and it was funny because we're like, were you scared when you were opening up multidimensional? And he was like, no. I was just like happy and excited. I was like, I know. And I was just like, what? Like we, and, and, and Adam will tell his story, but Adam was too. And I think for most people, it is really shocking because we have these programmings of how things are and what's real. And anytime a psychic or an intuitive or seer is presented in media, it's normally as a, as a con artist or like a crazy person. Yeah. So when you have that sort of happen to you, it's, it's disorienting. I, I, yeah, I'm sure it is. And how do you distinguish between like getting a high off a really, you know, amazing breathtaking experience and having the experience that you had that out of body experience? Like, is it the same or is it? Well, and they- sometimes they overlap a little bit in the sense okay. that yeah. sometimes you can have a cosmically high mystical experience and it can unleash some mental health issues, right? That's actually okay. my background. And that's why I'm passionate about where psychology and spirituality either meet or don't meet because yeah. there's plenty of spiritual people that don't understand integration and groundedness, right? And then there's okay. plenty of therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists that don't understand the reality of like Kundalini or the energy field or an energy cord or telepathic communication that if Mm -hmm. you hear a voice, it's not necessarily schizophrenia, but also it could be. So it's important to have mental health people that understand Mm -hmm. the difference. And so my master's thesis was what's the difference between projection and intuition? Because I was really, it's seriously important to me to be really grounded ethical and honest about those minutia differences because I think I'm more picky about that stuff than most people that speak about it because of my mental health background. And I worked with people for years in rehabs with co-occurring disorders and schizophrenia. And, and so it's kind of, and that's what Stan Groff's work really is. He had a book that really helped me called um, spiritual emergence or emergency. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like when you have an opening, how do you navigate that and kind of integrate yeah. the ground and come back into your body? Right. A lot of our work is really focused on integration because yeah. I think anybody can have a spiritual experience, but not mm-hmm. everybody has the tools to integrate. And yeah. so integration to me means how do you take spiritual experiences like Elisa's, like an out-of-body experience or a moment mm-hmm. where you're getting intuitive information that you're not used to, something that might be scary to you or new, yeah. having yeah. multisensory awareness how do you turn that into something that's meaningful in your life and mm-hmm. and allows you to show up more for your life and more for the people in your life? Yeah. Obviously. Cause I had one when I was a, a kid, I had one when I was, a, when I was a kid. So I was just like, and I, I didn't know what was happening. So I wasn't yeah. sure if what I, what I experienced was, was an out of body experience. So I was just wondering like what, what it really feels like and how to distinguish it from, from a high, y- mm-hmm. you know, you can get off a, uh, a really amazing experience. I'm hearing from you, for you, it was. So we did, I could ask you a lot of questions and yeah, let's not go there. We'll go down a rabbit hole. Let's get my, to Adam's story. Someday tell us that My story. intuition will, is it, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't probably like a dissociative moment or cause right. Cause some, I mean, and then there's crossover too. I mean, sometimes when people are having a trauma to their body, they have yeah. an out of body experience oh, and it's it kind of like, Oh yeah. And that's what I'm saying for you. It feels to me like a mystical 
experience. Oh yeah, purely. absolutely. But, but you're 100%. right, it can be hard to discern, right? It can be yeah, very yeah. hard to discern between um, dissociative or out of body. And we have very little uh, reference or framework for these experiences. Yeah, but I experienced complete bliss. So yeah. that's one way you can tell the difference. I mean, that's yeah. not to say that every mystical experience, like, um, you know, sometimes you do have a feeling of a void or darkness before as you're mm-hmm. traveling astrally. Um, so it's not to say it's always that way, but in general, I would say the difference is kind of like, is it coming from love or fear is a big part of it. It does it have an arc to kind of a journey of what's happening or does it feel just kind of like disorganized and chaotic or is there some kind of meaning or lesson that's trying to come through that experience? I think but- a big piece of it too is if it is in sync with your emotions and uh, because I, I believe all spiritual experiences are connected to us, you know, our unique nature and our, and our unique process. And mm-hmm. so if it's connected to your um, emotions and there's meaning behind that spiritual experience, opposed to if it feels disconnected from your identity or your emotions, Boundaries are a big part. I mean, in the book, we talk about um, having a healthy ego and the reason mm-hmm. when we talk, and that was yeah. really important to us because I think everyone have- on the planet needs to read, read about that, how, how to develop a healthy ego. And I think the world would be yeah. like a much better place. It'd be so much more peaceful, really. Yeah. Because if you have a splintered or fractured ego, then you don't have the ego strength to kind of contain a spiritual experience. It is just like, and that's not to say, I mean, there's many schizophrenic people I've talked to are having bits of psychic stuff coming through as well Mm. as chaotic kind of unconscious kind of uh, bits and pieces. And it's all mixed together and they can't Uh discern because the ego functioning is not there. So a big part of our work is speaking to soul and using intuition. And your soul mm-hmm. is you, it's your essence. So it's you, it's not, it's you that's not defined by what you do or your hobbies or your idea of yourself, but just the essence of what makes you unique. And mm-hmm. one way we describe it is it's your unique version of love. And so that can be such a good reference point for any spiritual experiences because you can use your intuition to navigate those experiences and to ask questions for feedback as you're going through those. And so you can, if you have any spiritual experience, you're unsure of, if you're like, I'm not sure if this is what is happening here. Uh, we have a lot of exercises called soul dialoguing and soul journaling. Yeah. I that, saw those. So yeah. Get information through that experience to give you yeah. a reference point. Right. And what right. I love is because a lot of my clients, our clients are mystics and psychics. And what I love about soul is it's so safe mm-hmm. in terms of a spiritual path. There's a lot of people, if you just start to open to kind of any energy or entity and try to open up all the chakras, that can be hard for mental health issues. But if you're talking right. to your soul, your soul understands your body chemistry and the energy levels you're like putting through your sis- your physical container. So mm-hmm. your soul understands just like how to stay psychologically and emotionally healthy. And um, that's really important for us. Yeah. Right. Right. That's comforting to know because, you know, then we can start trusting it more and be more open to doing the soul work. Yeah. I mean, Adam, let's, let's hear your story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my story is when I was 15, I lived in India for a year, uh, and I went as an exchange student. And when I was there, 
I was staying with a host family and a few houses down from me, there was a terrorist attack and there was a uh, bombing that happened there that I witnessed. And there was about 50 people who died and about 200 that were injured. And so at that age, that took me a long time to process and really sent me sort of an existential uh, dilemma, you know, because I really got to a place of really wondering, you know, how, how can there be a God? in a world like this, a, a divine source? How can there be meaning in the universe? How can there be any order? I know I wasn't trying to prove any one spiritual belief system or anything. I just was looking for something, something <laughs> that had purpose and meaning after that. So that really uh, pushed me to study with a lot of different spiritual teachers uh, in India, different gurus um, and elsewhere. And it really set me on a path of searching for where what's what's the point of all this if you know if there can be such violence in this world if uh we can die so soon why you know uh what are we here to do and it wasn't until i met elisa that i had my spiritual awakening and when i say spiritual awakening i mean like a full spirit <laughs> like uh my my multi-sensory uh part of myself opened up uh, so I met her. What do you mean and, when you say that you're, you're multi, yeah. like if you can tell us more, you started. Yeah. Seeing. Yeah. So I started having, uh, past life memories right away. So uh, one okay. experience I had with Elisa was, uh, you know, I touched her and then things sort of faded to black for a moment. Mm -hmm. And then I had a memory of us being elderly people and how we had been married before and, and how we had had such uh, love through our whole lives, even though we had a tough life in that lifetime. And so I was opening up to the idea of reincarnation and past lives. I was getting psychic information when I was mm -hmm. walking around from different people. And conversationally, I would be having a conversation with them on this level when I was receiving other information about them. I started seeing uh, spirits and, be and got uh, mediumship skills of being able to connect to the other side. And, but one of the reasons I was open and I think ready for this work was because I had been around a lot of spiritual teachers and communities and people that knew how to do some of the, these things, but it always felt ungrounded to me and not connected to love. Like I felt oh, there was a lot of spiritual skills out there, people using spiritual skills, but not a lot of spiritual purpose. Uh, so okay. it was through Elisa that I really got that love connection with the work and, uh, and that that's soul piece, which I think is the most important piece in this work is being, uh, is using these spiritual experiences. Like I said, to become more of yourself, to incarnate more of your soul through the process. Okay. It's a great story. Um, and do you have to be empathic or highly sensitive to, to have this ability um, well, not to have the ability, but to really get the most out of doing the soul work? Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great question. We work with thousands of people around the world on this, and I've truly seen that anybody can do this work. I would say that we're all born with natural dispositions. You know, like I think that some of us are born more able to play basketball than others. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's like that. Some of us have more natural talents in certain ways, but I really see that anybody can do this work. We've done sessions too with young kids, you know, and, oh, have and you? Them well, I would imagine it'd be easier for them. 
Yeah. 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 And so it's quite, it's quite incredible because when they're younger and there's less judgment on using your imagination and what that Mm -hmm. means and that line Mm -hmm. between what's real and not real is a little more blurred. uh, Yeah, there is immediate access. And so I would say to that question that of absolutely anybody can do this work. I think if we had training since a young age, we would all be able to do this. And Mm -hmm. I would say it can be a little difficult when you're an adult and you have to reprogram, but it's absolutely possible. Uh, and the first step is really soul journaling. That's how we get people into the work because it's yeah. a safe container to open up to spiritual experiences. And we always say this phrase of like, fake it till you make it mm-hmm. when people are connecting to their intuition, because when you connect to your intuition at first, you can get some incorrect information or information can feel like you're making it up and it can feel wrong because we can be so programmed to think and receive information in a certain way. So, uh, it's absolutely possible. Sometimes it can feel a little awkward at start at uh, the beginning, but we've seen so many people that have had so many amazing results and we use intuition, uh, to guide people making life choices. So once they start using their intuition, they can use it for decisions like what job should I have? What relationship should I be in? Uh, what should I even do today? Like just practical decisions. So, Um, And so much self-care stuff, like, why am I upset? What's going on with me right now? Well, how do I hold and contain that? And how do I start to feel better? That's all part of the soul work, right? It's Yeah, it's so much of it is just about comforting the inner child. We have the inner child chapter in the book because we find that- Yeah, I love that one. It's it's a huge part of it. If we feel scared and out of control, then we're not going to kind of continue- um, on the spiritual path. Yeah. And we see people's inner child play out in, in, in the context of like relationships, right. You, you, you taught, you mentioned a couple of examples of that. And I find that fascinating. Um, and then is that why you say it is such as it's healing your inner child is a critical piece of experiencing holy love. Definitely. So that we're not projecting out our stuff. So, because we can't really see another soul clearly if we're, holding them hostage to the work that we will not do on our own self, but it's a, but we can help heal each other too. It's like real We, You know, sometimes people think you have to be all cleaned up and perfect before you manifest your you know, you person. No. And it's like, we're all messy. Um, so it's not, I'm so like glad you say that, that. <laughs> <laughs> we're messy, but it's just, and that's why our podcast, our mystery school is holy and human because it's really important oh, yeah. for us to constantly be talking about that. You still have to uh, explain to us what holy love really means. Yeah. Yeah. So when we say holy love, because a lot of times people say they're in love when really they're in projection or they're in codependency. So So to us, holy love means the energy of true love is coming through your body that you're in resonance with that love as an energy. And that type of energy is soul level love. And that's a love that is eternal. And it's a love that's unconditional. If we had to put two adjectives on the difference between what we would say is love or holy love, love becomes a spiritual path. The minute, the second, the moment, even in this interview, right? We could just be talking to each other's egos. What was the question we just answered? How did we answer it? What was our tone and how we did that? And Or we could look at each other and be like, oh, hi, there's a soul there. And how are we meeting a soul through this medium in through our words 
And then the interview takes a different form. Then there's a spiritual opportunity for all of us. Then the people listening have a opening energetically that they can access within themselves and through just like osmosis of what's happening through the transmission of the conversation. Okay. Okay. Um, And one of my favorite parts of the book is where you talk about um, the four spiritual relationships and you say that those provide a solution to the old paradigm of um, strict ego to ego relating, which is so common in our world right now. So can you please tell us a little bit about, about those, uh, about those models? Yeah. You know, when thinking about holy love, one way we can also talk about it is uh, that it's just becoming acquainted with the true nature of love, what love really is in its unhindered state. Because it's, it's us as egos that put conditions on love, right? Mm-hmm. When we're in relationship, we're the ones that say, oh, I will love you this much until I feel unsafe. Or I will love you until, but only if I get this type of egoic validation from you. So we're, we put the conditions on, on the love. So we like the term holy love because it opens up the possibilities of what love can be. And it also accepts that love is greater than ourselves, than the sum of our parts to some extent. So when we talk about the four relationships, we are actively trying to go into that territory and use uh, intuition to navigate that, that type of difference between our holy love and our conditional love. So the first relationship we talk about, well, first, we all say that everybody has an ego and they have a soul. So we all have our, uh, the part of who we think we are, and we all have our eternal self, our essence that existed before we were born and after we die. So when we're in relationship, we actually have four relationships happening. We have our first relationship, which is our ego to ego relationship. So this is us just daily relating, talking about our hobbies, the things we like, our our conflicts, uh, our inner child can be part of that as well. First, like so kind of like what you talk about on a first date, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also they can be attributes we seek on a first date. Like, mm-hmm. is this person good looking? Are they do? What is their job? You know? Yeah. Uh, do they look good on paper? Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. So yeah. it's we have a checklist in our head of how they look yeah. good on paper, but then we have this internal way of. But how do we really feel? We might have an idea of how we feel, but when we really connect to our wisdom, what is our wisdom telling us about this relationship? So we have that first relationship, our ego to ego. We have our personal uh, internal relationship between our ego and our soul. So this is our own ability to access our wisdom. Are we making egoic choices? Are we making uh, wisdom choices? And then we have a relationship of my ego to Elisa's soul, our uh, the ego to their soul relationship is what we call that. And that's so the third that's the third relationship. And so that relationship is helpful to use in the sense of, let's say, Elisa is in a uh, state of anxiety, or there's something that's uh, upsetting her, making her feel disconnected from her wisdom. Mm-hmm. I can start reacting to her ego and trying to uh, meet her on that egoic level, but sometimes not really connect to the real issue at hand and getting What's offended. I think that happens yeah. a lot as we start to react to what the other ego is doing without any orientation to 
why or what's happening or talking to love around it. It is in that Mm -hmm. egoic uh, ego to ego relationship where we have the most miscommunications in relationships and misunderstanding and where wounds are activated. And so using this relationship gives me a moment to be able to assess, Hey, what's going on with Elisa? How can I use my intuition to help her through this process instead Mm -hmm. of meeting her at face value for these egoic problems? Can I figure out what's the deeper issue at hand and how can I be there for her with that? So there's that relationship. That's a big part of the book is, is using that. We have a lot of exercises with that relationship. And the fourth relationship is our soul to soul relationship. So this is our eternal relationship that's happening no matter what we think is happening that exists no matter what our egoic interpretation of our relationship is. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the soul contracts and the soul lessons that are behind uh, this union. And And they can be good and bad, right? Like, I mean, well, they can be, let's just put it this way. They can be difficult and they can be pleasant. That's a good way to put it. That's a good way. Useful and challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. So we may have uh, an example of that relationship because we may have a bully in our life or something, somebody who is constantly challenging us mm-hmm. and our ego may be very offended and very worked up about this relationship, but we may have a soul relationship that's actually for our highest good, where this person is actually teaching our, us our sovereignty, our sovereignty, our inner wisdom. To come into your power in a new yeah. way. When I had my out-of-body experience, my dad was always very cynical of the mystic part of myself. And it always just felt like kind of like we we're battling on this way my soul was like showing me how it was perfectly orchestrated and how he was like the perfect teacher for me to allow me like he was impossible to actually reflect my journey. So I had Mm -hmm. to kind of do it for myself. So that's a good example of something that my ego really didn't like and thought was just annoying and nothing more. But then on a soul level, it was actually, it was serving me in this lifetime in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And opening our perception up to that relationship is a lot of the work of holy love. Can you perceive what's really happening in this moment? So when you're in a conflict with your partner, are you able to step back and open your perception to the spiritual lessons that are being uh, created in that moment? Yeah. And for a lot of people, this is a very foreign paradigm, right? (laughs) I mean, how many people actually do the work? One thing that we love about the book is it's a chance to actually see the diagram. I think seeing the I know, diagram. I know. I was just thinking that I wish we could show the diagram. Maybe I'll put a picture up when when uh, I actually when I, I should bring that to interviews. Yeah, because it sounds. I'll put a picture up. So cool! It sounds so you know mystic and cosmic and like woo woo, but it's what it's kind of we're like this is a really well my listeners are into that manual. so we're <laughs> my listeners are into all perfect this they're ready yeah. they're ready for this language, and i so mean i'm a capricorn <laughs> and so at the end of the day i'm super about what's oh, yeah, useful and okay. practical yeah i know yeah which know. is normally people think capricorn you must be boring and be an accountant and but i'm you like must be having a, a moon in a water sign or something <laughs> yeah yeah, well, tra- Sagittarius, right? So it's oh. like my rising hmm. and moon are all Sag. So it's kind of like I'm really disciplined and very technical about like psychic topics and and things like that. And sometimes so, we um, need that. Then sometimes yeah. we need yeah. that. It, it kind of grounds think, everything. Yeah. And Adam, what are you? Uh, what is, what is Leo, <laughs> double Leo. Uh, oh. I don't. I don't know. Lots sense. of Leo yeah. energy. Lots of Leo. <laughs> my. And we yeah. have two boys and they're both Leos too. So we call it oh, a lion pack. Wow. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. But I think you're right that uh, the four relationships and the idea that we're multidimensional can sound so foreign to people. Uh, but really all we're saying there is that we have a material relationship, but we also yeah. have an energetic relationship and there's mm-hmm. energetics to what we say and mm-hmm. our act- actions and how we do it are in, and our intentions. And so it's just becoming more aware of that plane. One of the first mm-hmm. stories in the book that was kind of like, I've had this experience myself too, but I sat with this guy who was in his twenties, good looking. And he had gone on this date with this model. It's so on paper. I love that story. He thought he was looking for. He was like, yeah. you know, attracted to her physical body. And then he was just like, I could not get turned on. Like what's wrong with me? Like is something wrong with me? She's what my mother would want. She's what my father would want in terms of like a family, like a daughter-in-law. And it was just like his energy was not into this soul, the soul of who she was. And once we kind of like explained it like that, it was kind of like these aha moments of like, yeah, that's how your body's reacting. It's because we're like chemistry experiments. You take this and you take that, you put it together. What's the chemistry of what's happening? That's a great way and of I putting would say it. That. That's a great. And you can only, you can only sense how, how you mix when you actually meet the person. Exactly. It's not what's on the paper. And a lot of that chemistry is how are your souls engaging astrally, energetically? That's what that chemistry is. Yes. Yes. My idea of Adam was I was not open to this when we first met. I wasn't interested. He's younger. He's a musician. I don't know. I, you know, I was in another relationship, but our energy, our souls had a different whole experience. And then I, my ego had to kind of open up and get on board to like what was happening energetically. Yeah. Well, I think actually that a good way of describing my spiritual awakening is because yeah. it was caused Say by what happened the very first time we met. I, w- I will in a moment, <laughs> but it was caused by, by this change in perception of yeah. relate beginning to relate as souls opposed to relating as egos. And so I was becoming aware of myself in a new way and just energetics and, uh, and that those realities. And I, that's why my perception started opening up to other things is because I started to be seen and witnessed and met on a soul level. And that's a huge principle of our work with couples is when you start to recognize each other on a energetic and soul level, your perceptions start to open and your intuition increases and you start. And what does that feel like? What does that feel like, Adam? Because right now it sounds like a, you know, a lofty kind of concept, but like, what if, we also have two kids, a seven and 13 year old, and this works for intimate relationships, but it's for your children or or for your friendships, any relationship. It's about, are you relating to the soul? And we really notice with our kids, if we're just kind of looking at them as egos, do you do your homework? Oh, what about this? How are you getting better at tennis? Then it's, you know, we have ego skills we're working on in our lives that are important. We want our kids to be ready for the world. But also, are we yeah. in the moment? Like, where is your soul right now? How are you feeling on a deeper level? And, mm-hmm. and then they can feel it. And a lot of times their behavior will just shift <laughs> into a more relaxed or kind of even higher performing state and things when, because I think we can feel as souls when we're recognized and that does change things and it makes things a lot easier. So we feel like, 
a lot of this work is just like, how do we make our lives easier <laughs> ultimately? But yeah. yeah. yeah so how do, you, question, how do you show that? Yeah. How do you show that recognition? Like, do you just, do you have certain experiences yeah. with them or do you just make good eye contact? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Well, we know that every soul is can, entirely unique. And I think that's what makes our work really different from other people's work is we don't have any sort of uh, exact prescriptions or dogma sure. on how you should uh, meet another soul. But mm -hmm. we have a lot of exercises and meditations in the book of ways to open that up. So we have, Got you know, it. there's some exercises that are eye gazing in which you're setting intention. But if someone's neuro uh, atypical and in, in yeah. some sense, and they're like, I don't like eye contact, then maybe eye contact wouldn't be a good thing to connect their soul. Um, if someone's yeah. traumatized, you might want to just have an energetic exchange and not make eye contact. So it really depends on your intuition and building that muscle really clear yeah. so you know when and what to do. But an example of how we guide couples into really recognizing each other on a soul level is by using a moment-to-moment -moment intuitive navigation system, which is the four relationships. And so, uh, for instance, like if a couple has come back from work and they've had a long day and there's, you know, maybe one partner has stayed home with the kids and is and stressed out and overwhelmed, but the other partner wants to meet in intimacy. If they perhaps approach that partner right away and are like, okay, I'm ready to be intimate. Uh, maybe the other partner's not ready. And they're like, I still feel my nervous system is triggered. I'm not in a position to jump into spiritual intimacy in this moment. Uh, are to have anything really emotionally genuine in this experience. So what they can do is use their intuition to navigate those minutiae. And so mm -hmm. um, one partner might get the information of like, oh, I need to first just sit next to them and first take a breath. I actually shouldn't make eye contact. I should first look away. First, I need to take out the garbage to make sure that they, you know, feel less chaotic about what's going on. So it really is the information can be really different every single time. Sometimes it's, Hey, you actually need to shock this person out of their stress of the day by doing something funny or different or going for a walk or so there's really, sometimes it's bring food. A lot of times yeah. that's what's helpful for me. I'm somebody who gets angry easily. And a lot of times Adam's intuition will be like, okay, come home for Lisa, bring a burrito, you know? And so yeah. we can kind of just, cause we're physical beings too, that need to get our meats before we can relax into kind of more Absolutely. of the other stuff. So. And, and I so think, you know, healing, healing your inner child is super important because, you know, you might get offended by what your partner does as, and, and that can block out your intuition, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it really is a moment time, moment to moment case. And exactly. that's what I you love about triggers, wisdom. Right? Yeah. yeah. And we really see wisdom as something you're either aligned with or not aligned with. And that's mm -hmm. if you're aligned with your soul or not aligned. So it's not like there's a right or a wrong. Like you did the wrong thing this right. time and the right thing that time. It's uh -huh. more in this moment, can you feel what wisdom wants to happen? Can you follow the unfolding of love that wants to happen in this moment? But to get back, uh, to, get back to your question of what it feels like, because I do think that's a great question to to show people. Yeah. Because you what, say it should, it's experiential, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm wondering if I should tell one of our stories or <laughs> um, a client's story. Yeah, talk about the, I mean, my experience when I first met Elisa was yeah. uh, we were sitting, a, there's the 
we had a first meeting, but that there was a, uh, <laughs> how talk. much of the story am I yeah. getting? Is she yeah. blushing? A little, yeah, probably <laughs> a summarized yeah. version. Uh, well, we looked, we were chatting on an ego level. And I think once we were kind of calm and contained enough and in a safe place in that moment, one of our first experiences was one of our first experiences was I was sitting across from her and I had not had never had a psychic experience or a visual spiritual experience mm -hmm. where I was seeing something beyond. And I was sitting across from her and then I saw this being of light come through her that was her. Like it was like a translucent outline of her and she just smiled at me. And it was this smile that was such a like deep, you know, I could feel the love, the energetic love behind it. And in, in my heart in that moment, I felt like, oh, like such. Everything relief. slowed down. Or I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was more of um, this feeling of. And sped up. <laughs> yeah. It's more this feeling of, um, oh, you've been who I've always been looking for. Like there's been a part of me that's always been looking for you. And, and in this moment, I feel for the first time at peace and at home. And that is the feeling that we are trying to activate in couples through our book and through our work. And I've seen it, you and know, we've, we've seen it. And yeah. We've seen it uh, on mm -hmm. sessions and yeah. it can take, it can take a long time, but it can also take a very short time because yeah. sometimes it's just about a, sh a shift in perspective, a little mm -hmm. bit of reframe of how you think and yeah. just slowing down and, and doing really simple meditations together or um, just and a lot of it though is, is also just really changing your perception of your partner how, on what, how are you perceiving their actions? Are you, are you, like we said before, are you offended by what they do? Are you hurt? Are you, is your inner child affected? Or are you able to connect to their unconditional love and that part of themselves? And when you start changing your perspective there, I think immediately you start having experiential emotions yeah. of that type of connection. And as soon as you have it one time, it's like mm -hmm. a compass. So then you always know how to return to that place. And that's why the diagram and the map of the book, it's kind of an operation manual. It's like why it's so important to just have the concepts because it all is intention, right? Like anything. So we're freezing a little bit over here. There we yeah. go. It's freezing on yeah. our end. Um, because, because if you don't have an awareness of ego or soul, you won't activate it or look for it. But if you're aware that it's a thing and that we can be doing it unconsciously, more egoically or looking for their soul, then that's where the magic happens. That's where they start to feel it energetically. It summons it. You're kind of sending that intention to bring it forward more. So then the synchronicities start occurring and the energy starts picking up. And, and can you draw it out of them? Like, I mean, if, if you're yeah, the one yes. who, yeah, you can. Yeah. A lot of times in sessions, people will be like, hi, how are you? And they'll be like, I feel hot what's happening to me? And then they're like, they feel, you know, oh, wow. energy things starts happening. Yeah. And they'll start having kind of like big energy things run through their body because we do these soul birthing retreats too, where people's soul comes in their body, like a birth and they get really emotional because there has one interpretation of, Oh, in the session, I want to get this piece of information from the psychics or whatever, but then their soul has another plan of like, 
we're going to use this session to have people who can understand and navigate on an energetic realm what is where we kind of set the container in the space because we've done it ourselves. So we understand. So it's like through a transmission that it starts to occur where the other person's energy is like, oh, they can see me as a soul. This isn't conscious, right? They're not necessarily thinking that. The ego might be like, I need to do this other question. But the energy is like, oh, I'm being seen and recognized. So I'm safe to start to kind of come through and get louder. And then the person starts feeling heat or emotional unexpectedly. A lot of times people burst into tears and be like, I don't even know why I'm crying. Yeah. There's um, if people are looking for empaths that are listening, because we are big empaths where you know, I'm one. Yeah, an empath yeah, right here. Yeah. We made a video um, called Awakening from the Heart that's on our YouTube, uh, Holy and Human channel. Uh, And we made that for empaths because we were like, we really want- (laughs) I'm checking out. Show visually what it is. And because empaths can feel, right? So then the ego might be like, I don't even know what I'm watching in this video. I'm watching people burst into tears and I don't know why. Mm -hmm. But their soul and their energy is like, I know exactly what's happening here. And then they start to feel it. So they can start to have a whole experience just through watching the video because of their, that's the superpower part of empaths. And I think like everyone's wired differently and you don't have to be an empath to do this work by any means. Sometimes people think, well, am I spiritual? If I don't see an aura, it's like, you do not need to see auras to like be a spiritual person, but you might, somebody that might be a part of someone's way. You could feel it. You could feel it right in your body. For me, I kind of feel a flutter in my heart space. That's when I know. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the different, they call it, it's called the clear abilities, right? So it's like, you can be psychic through the second chakra, which is like being an empath through the emotional center. You can be a psychic through the fifth chakra, which is hearing downloads from the soul of the intuition. So that's like hearing. You can be psychic through the sixth chakra, which is the visual. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing an aura. I'm seeing a spirit. Or you can have a seventh chakra download of, I just know the spirits there. I just know somebody just died at that moment. I just know somebody was born at that moment, you know? So yeah. So we all have different skills of what chakras we're kind of stronger at. That's why it doesn't look one way for everybody. Got it. Got it. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, Before you go, do you have any advice for singles out there who are looking for soul-based relationships? Because, you know, we're living in a world of dating apps and everything is based on ego compatibility and they really don't take any account of, you know, soul connections. So uh, what, what, what do they do? Like how can they evaluate their matches and figure out if there is something, something there? I love that question because I think in our new age movement, there can be so much pressure on manifestation or getting yourself ready for a partner. And I think there can be a little fundamentalism on it where it's like, if you don't have a partner, then it's your fault. Like <laughs> that, there, something there's wrong. something energetically You're doing something wrong. wrong. Yeah. And uh, that's not how we've ever experienced it. When, uh, you know, when we work with couples and clients, we are energetically looking at what's going on with them. And so I wouldn't be saying this unless I really saw it as true is that I don't see that, uh, that most of the case people are blocking relationships because they're doing something wrong energetically. Uh, I'm, I'm a strong believer in destiny. There is a component of destiny there, but I would say that the strongest way to align yourself to be ready for a partner is through soul journaling and connecting to your own soul. And 
you know, we open the back cover of the book saying, how can we get a soulmate if we don't know ourselves as souls? So I would say that that is really, really important is to learn who you are first is to really become clear on as a soul, as a soul, uh, on what your energetic system is and your essence is, because then you can feel more who you align with and who you don't align with. Uh, and with soul journaling, you can just get the practical steps of like, Hey, should I go to a bar tonight? Should I go to, you know, should I go out with this person? Is this person a good, good match night. for me? So you don't, it doesn't have to be also some mystical esoteric experience. You can just use your intuition for the basic steps of, uh, should I sign up for this dating app? Should I not? I, we are not a po- We are not against dating apps. Sometimes our soul information for clients What's is, Oh, this, that? this is a great medium for you. And sometimes it's not. Yeah. It's just that the apps don't account for that soul part of it. Right. Yeah. We had yeah. a client that came up to a retreat and she was in a relationship for, you know, I think it was like eight years. So they were very like compatible in many ways, but it was like something's missing and she yeah. wanted to have a child. She was hitting a certain age. So she yeah. was like, okay, it's like, make it or break it. I don't want to leave him because I want to have the kid, but I'm really comfortable and he's great in these ways. So, you know, pros and cons list back and forth for years. Should I stay? Should I go? Should I stay? And then at the retreat, her soul was like, it's time to leave and there'll be someone else. Her ego was terrified of that information because that didn't, that was scary to her. And intuition is so much about courage, right? It's not usually big psychic information. It's like, do you have yes. the courage to hear? Yeah, because it kind of whispers the truth to you. You know it's the small, truth. It's small and it's yeah. easy to doubt. It's so easy yeah. with all the fear to mm-hmm. write it off. So she did. And and she she wasn't single that long. And then one night she wow. said, because she was, she was soul journaling and she was really building the relationship with listening. And one night face mask on, she hears her soul be like, go to the corner of Bottega, go to the store in the corner. She's like, now with my hair crazy and this face mask. And she did because she was learning to follow the soul's marching orders, as we call it. And who did she meet in the corner star? But her husband and they were married in like six months. They have a baby now. Wow. It's like, so I I think of her a lot because she was really scared, you know, and she didn't know if she was making it up or is the soul stuff all crap? Is there a point to any of this? Is this she doing the wrong thing? Yeah. But that still small voice just kept getting louder and she kept working it. Part of it is you have to do the work too. I mean, if you talk to your soul three times a year, it's like yoga. If I, my hamstrings are horrible because I ver- barely ever do yoga. Adam does yoga all the time. He's much more flexible than me. It, it's like, if you don't, use your ego will. It's like a muscle. Actually, yeah. So it's like yeah. you, we can, it's, it's actually psychic skills, right? It's like, and the thing about being psychic is like other things, we're usually so much more compassionate to ourselves. Like if I was like, I'm going to learn the salsa, I'd probably be a little easier on myself of like, okay, I'm learning it. I suck right now. I'm going to keep trying with psychic stuff. We do one time of soul journaling and we get one piece of wrong information. It's all bull crap. There's no point to any of this. I knew it wasn't real. It's like so intense because I think we have a lot of wounds on the reality of what we are as a, like a world culture. So I think it's remembering like, be patient with yourself, like little actions build up. Being consistent really helps with developing that psychic ability, that intuition in your relationships. But the first step, every little bit counts too. So even just one little day of soul journaling for five minutes. Yeah. And can you also journal about unfinished business? Like 
if you like have an unfinished contract with somebody from the past, does that also? Yeah, all the time. I think I, my soul journaling is just asking good questions. And to me, good questions are whatever's up for you. So whatever's bothering you is the perfect place to start to soul journal around. Cause as egos, we have questions every day of just what's going on and how to navigate it. So any question is a good question for soul journaling. And you should really trust your intuition, like whatever comes up for you. Yeah, and we like, and and it's not being black or white about it. So it's one thing, one exercise we had for Meet Your Soul is like uh, doing an old school kind of thermometer of on a scale to one to hundred, what percent of this information I came that came through today is accurate, and that's a good way to have a read of like, well, seventy percent, that's pretty good. Three fourths, one fourth of what I wrote might be incorrect, but three fourths isn't, and so then that's a good way to your ego starts to train Mm -hmm. about what is going on with the other building that relationship between how much is coming through and what, because it is a little tricky in the beginning. Yeah. And and in your book, you have your exercises are comprehensive. So if anyone's interested in knowing more about soul journeying and getting some questions, I mean, their book is, has a ton of them. Okay, we're great. excited about all. Yeah, of I'm excited Thank too. Thank you so so much. I mean, yeah. we could talk about this stuff all day because it's, it's super. It's interesting. easy to talk um, about. I know it's so easy much. to talk about. But thank you so much for all the great advice you've given us, uh, Alyssa and Adam. Uh, yeah. I'm sure those who are listening are going to find it really really helpful. Well, thanks so much for hosting us. It was really nice to be with you today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so um, much. And I want to mention uh, for all our listeners uh, interested in purchasing a copy of Phyllis and Adam's new book, Holy Love, you can find them in all major bookstores. And if you want to learn more about their services, you can go to their website, holyandhuman.com. And Is there anything else free- you'd like to add? free meditations on our website and lots of guided techniques and YouTube videos. If you want to go do the deep dive. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Adam, you wanted to say something? Nope. (laughs) Nope? Okay. We're good then. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.